invite you to take a Bible, if you will, and turn to the, in the New Testament to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. I want to thank those of you who prayed for uh, the four of us from uh, our church here who were in Haiti last week, uh, last Sunday, about this time. We had the privilege to worship with uh, a brand new church in the town of Jeremy. Jeremy had a population before the earthquake of about uh, 30-something thousand, and now many, many other thousands and thousands of people have been moved there because it's a port city, and there's a ship that goes back and forth between Port-au-Prince and Jeremy uh, twice a week, and it carries uh, people on the ship uh, to relocate uh, in Jeremy, and many have. Uh, the ministry we work with, El Shaddai Ministries, has uh, 40-something congregations. They have over 20 orphanages, and there are about 2,500 orphans in those uh, orphanages. None of them were killed uh, in the earthquake, but 107 were relocated from Port-au-Prince, and they were taken to a southern city of Kai's. And when the buildings that we saw being built in Jeremy are finished real soon, they, they're very fast with their construction down there. Um, those 107 orphans will be moved to, the, to that location at the church that's being built in Jeremy. The church is only about five weeks old, and they have 200 people that come. And probably in a, they've already expanded the building. How, how do you do that in five weeks' time? Uh, and... They're building a school. They're building, they want to have a seminary there, uh, a world-class seminary. They hope to have 65 students, Hebrew, Greek, systematic theology, professors from a variety of places coming to teach there. So it's a very, very impressive work. The most impressive part of the couple-hour worship service we were uh, part of was the singing. This congregation started singing, uh, started the service by singing hymns. Uh, Crown Him with Many Crowns was the one that stood out to me, though I couldn't understand the words since they were singing in French. But it was all a cappella, no hymnals, and they knew all the verses. And uh, they went from one hymn to another, and they just had those verses memorized. And uh, it was quite a, quite a delightful time. So thank you for your prayers. We were all well and probably gained weight in Haiti, and I came home, and two of my kids had the stomach virus, so I didn't know what to make out of that with uh, well down there. This being Mother's Day, I thought it'd be good to look again at God's command about uh, honoring parents. And uh, I, before, I'm going to read from Ephesians, but let me read to you uh, the fifth commandment. But don't turn there, because we'll be into Ephesians before you make it. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. That's Exodus 20, 12. Now from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, so ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we, we ask for insight and wisdom. We all are at various stages of life and all have a variety of relationships uh, with parents or grandparents or step-parents and with children. And we pray for wisdom now from your word um, about these relationships. In Christ's name, amen. 
Uh, the fifth commandment tells us the bond between mother and father and child is very, very important to God. The Ten Commandments are divided into two tables. There's the first four commandments and then the last six commandments. The first four deal with our relationship with God, our vertical relationship with Him. And then the second table, uh, the last six commandments deal with our relationships with one another. And Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments with we are to love God and we are to love our neighbor. And the tables follow certain priorities. Uh, the first priority is to love the Lord our God. See, if you don't have a love for God, then you will never work out all these other relationships. So it begins there. If, you're not a, if you haven't paid attention to the first four commandments, you probably won't pay much attention at all to the last six. So first things first. You and I will never do what the last six require if we ignore the first four. Everything begins with a relationship with God. A friend of mine told me of a friend of his who grew up in Chicago. His family had moved every year. And he decided, when he was around uh, late in high school, he decided to quit trying to build friendships since he moved every year. And then he told his parents, I don't want to leave. When you move again, I want to stay here. I want to establish relationships and stay in one place. And he described the day his parents drove away from Chicago. He stayed behind. He had a job. He ha had a house to live in with friends. He had a car. And he waved goodbye to his parents. And he said for the first time in his life, he began to be overcome by a wave of loneliness. And he realized there was an emptiness in his heart. He said... I yearned to have a relationship with someone who I knew I would never have to say goodbye to. He longed for such a relationship. Parents, you can have the tightest bond with your children. You can have what you think is a perfect parent-child relationship, but it will not fill the void in your heart or in their hearts that can only be filled with a relationship with our Creator. That's the relationship with Jesus Christ. So that begins when you and I recognize we have a sin problem, that that sin deserves punishment, that we all deserve that, and that punishment is death. But God has provided a substitute to take that punishment for us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, who always did those things that were pleasing to his Father, and then who died to take the penalty that we deserved. And now through faith and repentance, faith in him, then we enter into a relationship with God and we can experience that depth of relationship that no human relationship can ever fulfill. Well, here are some general observations about parents and children. And uh, I'm indebted to one of my pastor friends, Ray Cortez, some time ago when hearing him talk about this. Here are some observations. There are no perfect parents just as there are no perfect children. If there were, we wouldn't need this commandment. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? If we were all perfect in this regard, we wouldn't need to be told what to do. So a word to children. All parents have their weaknesses and their faults and their inconsistencies. And so only God is the perfect father. Only God is the perfect parent. Even the best parents make mistakes. Even the best parents sin. The Bible says we've all sinned. As a result, we're all affected by that. I heard of a book entitled, I'm Dysfunctional, You're Dysfunctional. Well, that... In some ways, that, that about sums it up. We all have problems. And another observation is there are parents who are not worthy of honor. There are some 
They were abusive. They were manipulative. They were neglectful. They perhaps were mean and harsh and cruel. And you may ask, what is God telling me to do? Am I supposed to ignore the pain, put on a happy face, pretend everything is great? No. But God is saying, I want you to honor that position, that position of parenthood. In today's world, kids ask, what about step-parents? If you're a young child, you're in a very complicated spot. And no two situations are exactly the same. But if a step-parent enters the picture, while you are still young, then honor and obey that person. Word to parents, there's never been a perfect parent. You cannot guarantee how your children will turn out. I think in the Presbyterian Church we're afraid of that because of the very thing we heard earlier, the vows taken by parents, and sometimes we carry that over and we assume I am responsible for the heart of my child and how that ends up ultimately. God gave your child a will of their own. And you cannot ultimately determine the outcome of his or her heart. You and I are to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are to instruct them and do all the things that we were reminded of during those vows. But we cannot determine whether they will love Christ or not. They have to make that choice. And you can have goals for yourself But you shouldn't set goals for your youngster in the standpoint that I I can have goals for me, but I have desires for them. I have desires for what will happen. But I cannot determine the outcome because they have a will of their own. Your children are not wanting to see if you are perfect. They are wanting to see if your faith is genuine, if your faith is real. Another observation, respect for all authority begins in the home. God never intended that respect for all authority end in the home. It's just the starting place. And so there are other legitimate authorities that flow out of the fifth commandment. We find those applications throughout the New Testament, authority of employers and employees, students having respect for teachers, wives or to respect the authority of their husbands, government, the law, the police, sports umpires, parents, What are you teaching your kids about authority in that arena? Want to be salt and light for Christ? Treat sport umpires and other teams with whom you are competing with respect. You're saying get back to the text, Chip. Okay. (laughs) For over 30 years now, Coach K at at Duke, Coach Krzyzewski, he's been the head coach there. They, of course, you know, won the NCAA this year. Uh, In addition to about 12 other times, he'd been the national coach of the year. And he's built a dynasty there, recruiting like in any college program. It's built on recruiting. And he says when they send out recruiters to visit a prospective player, they intentionally visit the player at home. They don't take them out to eat at a restaurant. They want to see that player, that potential player in the home. They want to see how that, that student relates to his family to his parents, and he said in the interview I read, they know how he relates to the authority at home will be how he will relate to the authority at school. And so they want to see. Observation number three, how I relate to my parents will affect every other relationship in my life. We can try and get away from this, but we can't. Your style of relating is set. It was fixed at home. And even today, if you're an adult, 
when you act in ways you don't understand and you can't figure it out, sometimes, not always, but sometimes it is because you are still reacting to your parents. And they may not even be living anymore. How many marriages have been soured because a spouse has never resolved a relationship with a parent and they're taking it out on their, their husband or their wife or their kids and they will respond with things like, you are just like my mother or you are just like my father. Surveys show over and over that people who have good relationships with their parents have far less stress, stress in their lives. Okay. The role